0: This last October, uh, on a commuter train outside of Philadelphia, there was a woman that was assaulted. Now, this might not make the national news, but one of the things that made this a lot more public was that in that car that she was in, there were several other people. Now, this attack went on for eight minutes. Nobody Did anything. Nobody did anything to try to intervene. Nobody called 911, even though she was in desperate need. And it was so obvious that she needed help. The police chief said this. He said, I am appalled by those who did nothing to help this woman. Anybody that was on that train has to look in the mirror and ask, why didn't they intervene? Why didn't they do something to make it even worse? A surveillance video showed that one of the passengers, at least one of the passengers, filmed the entire incident on their phone. Yet they did absolutely nothing, minding their own business, even though there were people, someone around them that was in desperate need. A similar event, back in the 1960s, 1964 in Queens, New York, there was a woman that was brutally murdered. The 28-year-old, she screamed for help. And this is what the New York Times reported. 38, 38 of her neighbors either heard her scream or witnessed part of the attack. And 38 people did absolutely nothing. They just stayed back and let her die. This caused a couple of young psychologists to say, we've got to figure out what is happening in and around people that would cause them when it is so obvious that someone is need for the whole group to stand back and do nothing. Here were the reasons. When there are more people in the, where they have an opportunity to help in the midst of a crisis, they are less likely to be involved. Now, that just seems like crazy talk, doesn't it? It seems completely counterintuitive. The more people that are there, the more opportunities there are for somebody to step up and do something. But they say what happens is when it's everybody's responsibility, the responsibility gets diffused in a way that causes everybody to step back and nobody does anything. These psychologists referred to this as the bystander effect the bystander effect. Friends, I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe that the church in many ways also suffers from the bystander effect. We live in a world where there is desperate need all around us. And the greatest need that anybody has is to be caught up in a relationship with God brought into a right relationship with him. There's no greater need that anyone has than that. And God has given us, all of us, as followers of Jesus, the responsibility, and I would even say the privilege, the privilege of getting to be his spokesperson in this world. We get to tell the world about who Jesus is and what it is that he's done for us. But so many times we can sit back And assume that somebody else is going to do something. Even though we know. We know that there is a desperation out there that people need hope. People need help. People need peace. People need joy. People need what only the message of the gospel can bring them. And we stand back and do nothing. But we know the gospel is For everyone. That's the name of our series. And Jesus made it absolutely clear. When he left this world. One of the last things he said. To those closest followers of his. That were sitting on that hill. Outside of Jerusalem. This is what he said to them. Acts 1.8. He gave them their mission. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem. And in all Judea and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He made it absolutely clear for us. That's our mission. The gospel for everyone. God's entrusted that to us, to you, to me, everyone who names the name of Christ. Now, I wanted to make a little bit of a pause here because I've talked about Things like this in the past. And I know what happens in the hearts of people. Our defenses can go up. And there can be this sense of guilt. Like, I know I should do that. I know I should be involved in talking to people about Jesus. And there's this sense of guilt. I just want to tell you right now, I want to declare that right here, in this place, and online, this is a guilt-free zone. If you leave here today just feeling guilty... I will tell you this, I have failed as a communicator because I don't think I have communicated the heart of God. Jesus doesn't want you to feel guilty. Jesus never leveraged guilt to get us to do anything. But when you walk out of those doors today, when you close your computer or turn off your TV, what I want you to believe is that God wants to use you. And God can use you to help people come into the greatest relationship that this world has ever known, a relationship with their creator. The Apostle Paul is going to help us with this. In Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul helps us with a perspective. We've got to have a right perspective if we're going to be effective at being a spokesperson for God in this world. And the Apostle Paul is going to tell us two really, really simple things. The first thing we need to do is we need to learn to talk to God about people. That's first and foremost. And secondly, Paul's going to help us understand that we need to learn to talk to people about God. Here's what Paul tells us. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Talk to God. Being watchful and thankful. And he says, and pray for us too, that God may... Open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul makes it really clear. Where do you start? If you want to be an influence for Jesus in this world, where does it start? It starts with prayer. Talk to God about people. What do we pray for? He tells us exactly pray for open doors. Pray for open doors for the message and open hearts for the message. This metaphor, this metaphor of the open door is one that is used all throughout the New Testament. And every time it talks about an open door, who is it that opens the door? It's God. God is the only one that can open the door of a human heart that can change the life, that can change the eternity of someone. Nobody comes to Jesus unless God himself does a work in their heart. Jesus made this absolutely clear. John chapter six, verse 44, he said this, no one can come to me. No one comes into a relationship with me unless the father who sent me draws them. It's the father that is drawing people to himself. Why do I think this is so important? Especially for us when we think about this feeling of guilt around this. We just need to remember this is God's work. This is what God does. This takes the pressure off for us. God is the only one that can open a human heart. And so, you know what that means that we don't need to do? We don't need to force conversations. We don't have to feel like we need to try to intimidate people in some way to think the way that we think. We don't have to try to coerce people to believe. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to say all the right words in all the right order for someone's heart to be changed because God is the one to do the work and that's why we pray. We ask God to open doors for our message. But Paul wants us to be clear as well. It's not just that people that don't know Jesus' hearts need to be open. You know who else needs their heart to be opened? We. We need our hearts to be opened. We need to be able to have our hearts open in a way that makes us watchful and expectant. That God is actually doing work in the lives of people around us. Because if our heart isn't open, our heart isn't prepared, we're not going to see the opportunities of God working and opening doors in the lives of other people. That's why Paul says it this way. He says, and pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message so that, so that, here's the result, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. It's God doing something in us that makes us want to open our mouths. God opens hearts, God opens doors, we open our mouths. What does an open heart look like? What does a watchful heart look like? I believe there's at least two things that are going to be happening in your heart. If you're living out what Paul is talking about here, there's going to be a sense of compassion in your heart for people that don't know Jesus. And there's going to be a urgency in your life for those that don't know Jesus. I love how the Lord does this. You know, as the week starts, I know the text that I'm teaching on, and it's running around in my mind, and I'm thinking about it and asking the Lord to continue to give me thoughts and insight. Well, on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock, I was in a prayer meeting, and I'm going to make a shameless plug right now. Tuesdays, 7 a.m., right out those doors in the Gallatin room, there's a group of people that we meet every Tuesday morning. They're from lots of different churches, not just Journey Church, But we're asking that God would pour out his spirit in a powerful way and bring revival to our valley. Lots of churches involved. The thing that we say is we leave our egos and our logos at the door. We're just there to drop our face before God and ask him to move because he's the only one that can open doors. And as that prayer meeting started this last Tuesday, one of my dear friends, she was sitting across from me, And as she began to pray for people in and around her world, people that she knew and even groups of people, she just began to weep. Just began to weep as she was trying to pray. She said, push through the tears, praying that God would open the hearts of people. And then she began to pray for courage. Tears still going down her face. Pray for courage. God, I don't want to not speak up for you. I want to be willing to communicate the good news to people. And I watched her for one hour. When we were done praying, I looked up again, and there were still tears coming down her face. And the reason that I think the Lord wanted me to see that is because he wanted me to see that that's what he's talking about here. That's what happens in the heart of someone who has compassion and has an urgency, I don't know what happened in her life the rest of the day. I don't know what happened in her life the rest of the week. You know what I believe didn't happen? I don't believe she was a bystander. I believe she was looking for opportunities because she believed that God was gonna move in the hearts of people and she wanted to be one that would step into their life and bring them the greatest message ever proclaimed. Hearts of compassion, hearts of urgency. That's why we need to pray. Pray. That's why Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer because hearts need to change. People's hearts need to change and your heart needs to change. Start with prayer. Talk to God about people. But then what do we do? What do we do when we see an open door? How do we engage with people with the greatest news that's ever been proclaimed? And that's where Paul's gonna take us next because now he's gonna help us understand how do we talk to people about God? Colossians chapter four, verse four. Again, he's asking for prayer, but he says, pray that I may proclaim it, meaning the gospel, the good news that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Outsiders meaning people that are outside of the faith. He says, make the most of every opportunity, every open door. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The first thing that Paul is praying for when he's talking about how to communicate to God, how to talk to people about God, he says, pray that I would proclaim it clearly, clearly, The clear message of the gospel, it is about Jesus and Jesus alone. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. That is the clear and simple gospel. God loves people. And he wants to have a relationship with people. That's what people are created for. Made in his image for a relationship with him. But Brian talked about this at the very beginning of this series. Talked about the creation, the fall, redemption, and reconciliation, or restoration. There was a fall. We see that in Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve's story is our story as well. Because they were just saying to themselves, we want to live life on our terms. We want to do it our way. That is all of our stories. We've all said that in some way. All of us have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God Sometimes that manifests itself In a rebellion against God I'm shaking my fist at God I'm angry at him I'm Trying to push him away in my life And sometimes friends It's just simply passive indifference it's Like God maybe you're out there Maybe you're not You do your thing I'm going to do my thing All of those things are evidence Of the reality That we have sin in our life We want to do things our way And the Bible tells us really clearly that the wages of sin, what we earn or deserve because of our rebellion against God, is a death, not a physical death, but a spiritual death, a spiritual separation from God for all of eternity. But God didn't make us to be separated from him for all of eternity. He made us for relationship. So he said, I've got a solution to your problem. Now, religion, it just says over and over, here's what you need to do to try to reach up and make yourself acceptable to God. But Christianity is fundamentally different. Our faith is completely different. It is God reaching down to us through the person of Jesus Christ and giving us a solution to our sin problem. That spiritual death, that death penalty that's on our life for rebellion, God said, I'm going to send my son and he is going to pay that death penalty for you in your place. God did that for us. It's a gift that he offers to us, to everyone, the gospel for everyone. But just like any gift at Christmas, it's not yours till you take it and you grab a hold of it And you open it and you make it your own. And the Bible tells us that we're able to do that. This great gift of Jesus, we're able to grab a hold of that through repentance and faith. Repentance meaning I'm not going to live my self-directed life where I'm the king of the universe. I'm going to live a Christ-directed life where he is my Lord and king. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to take that gift. Friends, that is the simple and clear message of the gospel. Now, I want to ask you this. Does that have the power to change a person's life? I say yes, 100%. I'm just living proof of it. When someone sat down with me and communicated that message to me, it did something in my life that changed the trajectory of my, of my life forever. And this is how Paul explains it, that there's power. There is an inherent power in this message. Paul said this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. This message is powerful. That word that Paul uses for power, it's the same word where we get the word dynamite from. It has the inherent potential to blow up in the heart and the life of a person and change them forever. This message has power. This is why I want you to understand this so clearly. God is the only one that can change a human heart. And this message is the message that can change a human heart. It has inherent power. It's not about you. It is about God working in someone's life and the power of the message. But Paul says, make the message clear. Don't make it about something else other than Jesus. How can we make the message unclear to people around us? There are so many times... Myself, and I see other people do this as well, where we're having a conversation about the good news of Jesus, and suddenly the conversation starts talking about morality, right and wrong. Starts talking about social issues. It starts talking about political issues. Starts talking about church issues. Paul would say, that is not clear. If you find yourself in a conversation and you're talking about those things, stop. And just say, I'm gonna bring the conversation back to Jesus. Who is Jesus? What is, what is it that Jesus has done for us? And how is it that I can respond to this great gift? It is all about Jesus. Now, those other things that I just mentioned, morality, does that matter to God? Absolutely it does. Do social issues matter to God? Yes. Political issues, how we govern our people, absolutely those things matter to God. But I will say this, they are not the lead foot. They are not the tip of the spear of what it is that God has called us to do in our mission. He has called us to make it clear to people who Jesus is and what he has done, full stop. That is the issue because that is the only thing that is going to change a human heart. You want to change the world in all those other ways? Morality, social issues, politics Change their heart You want to change the world Change a person's heart And it is the gospel that has the power To change a human heart That's why it mattered so much to Paul That he's asking everyone that would listen Pray for me Pray for me that I would make it clear I don't want it to be about something else I want it to be about Jesus Friends, we've got to make it clear What our message is But Paul also said, it's got to be clear, but you got to be wise. You got to be wise in how you relate to people that are outside of faith. Verse five, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The gospel is for everyone. And now when I read that, I think Paul's talking about two things that we have to think about when we're trying to be a gospel messenger. He's talking about show and he's talking about tell. You remember show and tell when you were a little kid? We only do that in my little school. Back in Shepherd Mountain. No, there was, you could bring something from home, something that was important to you, and you could physically show it to people and you could tell them about it. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying if we're gonna be an influence for the gospel, we've got to show and we've got to tell. What do we show them? We show them our life. If people are gonna be influenced, By us, they've got to see our transformed life. And this means that two things have to be true if we're ever gonna be an influence in the lives of people. They need proximity. We need proximity with people that don't know Jesus. That means that we hang out with them regularly. We're rubbing shoulders with them. They know us. We know them. Paul is making the assumption here that people are seeing your life. You know why I believe he's assuming It's because he saw it in the life of Jesus, heard about it in the life of Jesus. Nobody did this better than Jesus. People that needed his help, that needed his hope, what did he do? He hung out with them all the time. And you know what? He liked them. He liked people that weren't like him in any way. They flocked to him. They wanted to be with him. They received the help and the hope because they saw his life. Now, you can hear that, and I can imagine in your mind you're just saying, yeah, but I don't have the perfect life of Jesus. I'm really glad that I do so I can be an influence. You don't have to have the perfect life to be an influence for Jesus. You need proximity but you also need authenticity. They need to see your life, but they need to see your real life. Not some kind of a fake, polished up, outside of the cup, this is who I want you to think I am kind of life. They've got to see your real life. No fakes. Around here, we engage the messy. We're not gonna pretend And when we want to be an influence in the lives of people, they need to see all of it. They need to see the curtains wide open in our life. They need to see that just like them, we've got fears. We've got anxieties. We've got struggles, real struggles, real pain, real suffering, real sin, real brokenness. Perfection, friends, is not a prerequisite to influence. They don't need a perfect life, but what they need to see is a real life and how Jesus meets us in our brokenness, meets us in our pain. How does Jesus meet the needs of our life? They need to see it. We need to be authentic. The good, the bad, and the ugly people need to see us. That's the show. Proximity and authenticity. But then Paul says, There's a tell. Eventually, we have to open our mouth to talk about who Jesus is and what it is that he's done for us. I love that Paul uses this. He says, let your conversation be full of grace. Conversation. You know what conversation implies? It implies dialogue. Back and forth. Communicating our faith is not just us wah 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 talking 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 in fact you know what i've found the people that are the best at helping other people understand who jesus are aren't the best talkers they're the best listeners they know how to ask questions because what they need to know they need to ask questions to be able to understand what is happening in the heart of another human being i'm going to plug this right now the reflection questions that you're gonna use the QR code on the chair back at the end of the service, I'll talk about that. But I've got a list of questions there that I think can be really helpful for us thinking about. How do we engage people in spiritual conversation? We need to listen. It is a conversation, it is not just talking at people, it is listening. Because until you understand them, their worldview, maybe their baggage, what are their hangups about faith? You can't speak the truth into their life if you don't know where they're coming from. Friends, we need to have a divine curiosity in what's happening in the lives of people, and questions are the best tool in your toolbox to find out what's happening in the heart of a person. I was talking with Logan this week, and I was kind of unpacking some of the things that I was thinking about for my sermon, and he told me this story about him sitting around with five or six high school kids, And talking about their week, talking about their faith, talking about communicating their faith. And one of the kids shared that uh, he was a football player out of high school here. And one of his teammates came up to him and said with a little bit of a tone, maybe a lot of a tone, are you one of those hardcore Christians? And he said, I froze. He said, I froze. Not because I was afraid to identify with Christ, but when I listened to his tone, I just realized There's more to this story. There's more that's happening. And as this group of people, these group of young people were talking about that interaction, they just came to this conclusion that I need to find out what that story is. I need to engage him. I need to ask some questions. You know what that is? That's wisdom. That's wisdom in being an influence. That's what Paul is talking about. I mean, you could, that football player could have thought when he was approached like that or asked that question he just said darn right I'm a darn right I am I'm one of those hardcore Christians what are you going to do about it and that would be bold right no it would be stupid but he was wise there's a story behind the story and if I don't engage it I'm never going to know that story I'm never going to know how to speak the goodness of God into his life we need to be wise in the way we relate to those outside the family of faith. I'm gonna give you just a couple of pro tips. Never look at what's happening on the outside of a person's life in terms of judging what is happening on the inside of their life. Sometimes we can look at behavior, lifestyle, and just be like, oh man, that person's a closed door. You know what I'm grateful for? I'm so grateful that the person that shared the gospel with me, even though he knew what I was doing with my life, the decisions that I was making, he didn't say, oh man, that guy doesn't want God in his life. But he initiated with me. Because he saw the things that were going on in my life, but what he didn't see was this guy that would lay in bed at night looking at the ceiling wondering, God, is there more to this life? There's gotta be more to this life. My heart was so open, even though you looked on the outside, looked like a train wreck. Open door. You don't find out if someone's heart is open if you don't ask a question, if you don't engage. You've got to open your mouth, engage people's story. Next pro tip, and I mean this with all sincerity, don't be weird Would you just not be weird in how you talk to people? Like, I I understand that sometimes we think about, like, how do I start a conversation about Jesus? I just don't know how to do that. I'm a little bit nervous. But, like, saying something like, hey, look at that sunset. Did you know that God has a son? His name is Jesus. Can I talk to you about Jesus? That's just weird. Don't do that. Just be honest and upfront with people, engage people. There are times that I think about friends that I have that engaging in a conversation like that, it makes me nervous because I don't know what they're gonna think about that. So I just tell them, it's like, you know, I'm kind of nervous to say this because I love you so much. You matter to me and I wouldn't wanna do anything to hurt our friendship, but I would love to know what you think about spiritual things. And now this if you don't hear anything else about how to be an influence, remember this next phrase that comes out of my mouth. Can we talk about that sometime? Say that word with me, sometime. Okay, say it with me again because I don't think anybody said it. Say that word, sometime. You know why that is so important? Is it just takes the pressure off with people. It's not like if I say yes to this, I'm going to get too Double barrels of Jesus right now. But it gives them an out and an opportunity to just say, I would love to talk with you about this sometime. And if they just say, yeah, uh, I'd be willing to talk with you about that. Open door. Open door. Opportunity. Engage them sometime. The last thing that Paul says when he's talking about being wise, he says, let your conversation Be full of grace, full of grace. You may have heard the saying, the medium is the message. What that phrase means is that the way we communicate, the medium that we use in our communication can actually be more powerful than the actual words that we say. So Paul is trying to help us understand right here. If you're going to talk about a message of God's kindness and grace, it needs to be delivered with the utmost of kindness and grace. The medium is the message. If you find yourself in a gospel conversation, wanting to talk with someone, and maybe they're defensive, but you find yourself arguing, you're becoming defensive. You're becoming frustrated. Can I just tell you right then, the message is no longer clear. The message of God's grace and kindness is being distorted by your lack of grace and kindness. The medium is the message. And you know this is true. This world we live in, it is hostile and volatile, and people don't speak to each other in kind and gracious ways. Whether it's through social media, sometimes it's in person, just turn on the television and watch that. Actually, don't turn on the television and watch. You just see how people talk to each other. Talking to people with kindness and grace sets the message apart from the world that we live in. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it and why that's so important because it's so attractive. Romans 2, 4, it says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, And patience, not realizing that God's kindness, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. That's what's gonna turn a human heart, understanding the magnitude of God's kindness toward them. That's why Paul says your conversation has got to be full of grace. The medium is the message. It's the title of our series and we just keep saying it over and over again. The gospel is for everyone. 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 Peter said it this way. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone in his family. God invites everyone to be a part of his family. And he uses his kids to be his spokespeople in the world. Now, God's message, God's scope of his message is the entire world. He sees them all. He knows everyone. But can I ask you, even though you can't keep your eyes on everyone, you can keep your eyes on one. Who would be the one in your life? This is what I want to ask you before you get to your car. Would you ask that the Lord would bring to your mind one? He doesn't have to bring every to your mind, but would he bring one That you could begin to pray for. Say God would you open a door for the message. Would you open my heart. Would you give me compassion and urgency. Would the pain that they feel. Be my pain. In such a way that I'm compelled. To want to bring the message to them. And God would you give me courage. Would you give me courage to step in. And try to find out what is happening in their life. What is happening in their heart. Would you give me the courage to just even ask a question. One question. Here's what I want you to do. Then just listen. 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 Understand them. Understand what's happening in their heart. Because you need to understand them before you will ever Be understood. And then Paul would say, speak the message clearly. Don't talk about anything else but Jesus. The life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel message that has the power to change a life. Want to change the world? Of course we want to change the world. We want this world to be different. Change one heart. One heart at a time, the world changes. Who is your one? Let's pray. God, I just want to say thank you that you are willing to invite us into the greatest thing that's happening on this planet the redemption of people's hearts and lives. God, thank you for the incredible privilege that we have to be your spokesperson in this world. God, help us to do it well. God, thank you that you've taken the pressure off, that we can know that nothing happens apart from you working in their lives. And so we just ask you, God, we're gonna ask you to work in the lives of people. We're gonna ask you to work in our life, change our heart. Give us compassion and urgency. Give us courage to press in. God, bring one person to mind. And God, we hold that one up to you because they are precious to you. God, use us in the life of the one. And with your head still bowed, I just want to say that I know probably in a group this size, maybe with the size of our online audience, that there's some of you that are thinking, I've never responded to this gospel message in that way. I've never grabbed a hold of that gift in repentance and faith. And I just want to give you an opportunity to do that today. If that's your heart and you know that the Father is drawing you, His Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, I just want you to... In the quietness of your heart, pray this after me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, thank you that you came to this earth and that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I am so grateful. Jesus, I just want to say to you today that I want to follow you. I want you to be the one that saves me, rescues me from my sin, but I also want you to be my Lord. My king, I bow my knee to you today, Jesus. And I want to follow you. Even if I don't know, Jesus, exactly what that means, my life is yours. Thank you for your kindness. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. My life is yours. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net. give Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.